SFJ 4x4 Studios presents in my in my oversized four-wheel drive Jeep a Jeep podcast starring industry experts pure monosity what what <laughs> say that again with mad scientist Scott Brown use my drill press as a sort of lathe our host Neil Simpson if one light goes out they all go out filled with shenanigans we we are really professional with jeeps this is i speak jeep good morning afternoon evening wherever however you are joining us this is the i speak jeep podcast presented by sfj4x4.com my name is neil you know what i'll be honest with you (laughs) i struggle because we just got done shooting the american hustle folks and it is a great episode uh one that jeffrey and i really uh hammer home some good techniques on uh struggling businesses and a real business in erie pennsylvania um so you know if you have any interest in leadership self-improvement or you know entrepreneurship you might want to hear that one the sfj 4x4 difference gets talked about a lot or at least the characteristics that make it up yes as i was saying my name is neil joined in the grandma's couch studio with jeff (laughs) (laughs) and jeff (laughs) the jeff with the jeff the jeff Jeff. so at this point in time it's the jeff the The producer the italian stallion the jeff the jeff (laughs) dead And, and I'm I'm the mad scientist. I have no good follow up after no, that. No, no, right? <laughs> Falls flat, right? Jeff. Just can't just can't overcake the. We're a hundred plus episodes the, in, and he's Jeff. like the Jeff. It's gone to his head at this point. So, anyways, uh, the race for who's saying good morning first is in, and Amy Amy's is the winner. First. Good morning, guys, and then Darla. Good morning, Brad. Good morning, fellas, and Chip. Good uh, morning, guys. So. Yeah, glad to see everybody jumping in the comments. Uh, just for funsies, if you're out there watching uh, live, make sure you jump in, say good morning, say hello. Uh, you know, let let loose in there a little bit. Enjoy the comment section. If you are one of the our three lucky listeners um, across the <laughs> across the globe. A, we appreciate you joining in. B, you can join us live as well every Monday at 1019 a.m. on the Book of Faces and, live. And if you do join us live, you can be in the comments helping Joe look for his pants as he's yes. looking for them currently. <laughs> Thanks, Joe Brilla, for that <laughs> as well. Fantastic. Today we will be doing a part dose of USA versus the world. Bump, bump, bump. And... Uh, And so we'll be unpacking a little bit of today uh, the difference of aftermarket parts. We talked a lot about um, Mopar and OE parts and where Mopar performance uh, has has come from historically. Today we're going to be talking a lot about choosing aftermarket parts yep. and some of the logistics that we have encountered through and, that process. Do you save now or do you save later? Mm-hmm. And from mm-hmm. what I understand from Davey, as as a spinoff of this two-part series episode, we're going to have a new YouTube series on unboxing products. 
Yes, we're going to be doing further unboxings as a priority where um, we are going to be sharing with you, our our listeners and our viewers. So make sure you jump onto our YouTube channel. That will be on the SFJ 4x4 channel, not the I Speak Jeep podcast channel. That will continue. <clears throat> excuse me. The I Speak Jeep podcast channel will continue to library um, and inventory all of these podcasts Whereas the priority of our uh, YouTube presence is actually over on the SFJ 4x4 channel itself. And speaking of Davey, he's literally messaging in from just across the studio here. He's states away. Yeah, he's states (laughs) away at this point. I can't even barely see him because of the boxes. But um, (laughs) he is chiming in saying to let everyone know that there is a new video that just dropped on Patreon. So again, if you're not a Patreon supporter, you better go on, check it out. Uh, pick up one of those subscriptions, and you'll be able to see this new video. Yeah. And if you're, you're you're not ready to yet join us uh, at the Patreon level, we did just drop a new video on YouTube uh, for Life in Low Range on Friday. Um, <clears throat> it's a fun one. Follows us around to the shop. Some of the debacles that I encountered on New Year's Eve are being addressed. Likewise, you'll see some follow-up, some smack talk to some haters online. So you want to be part of that. Um, and then just some some sound uh, quality repair work uh, that, you know, you know in, in the most SFJ flavorful fashion possible. Yep. So a lot of that is uh, encountered there. And, and as Jeffrey and, and Davey have said, the Patreon is, is cooking with uh, some of the personal updates that we're not revealing to the public uh, for whatever reason. So... How was your guys' weekend? Anything uh, particularly exciting to share? Uh, it was fairly busy for me. Um, kind of made it a point to get the tail pan of the car done. So I am glad to say that that part is finally over with. Uh, yay! Yay! And even though I just can't help myself, I'm not completely happy with it. Everybody else is going, it's great. Like even some of the, the, the guys I follow on YouTube, this is how fun it is at this point are following me on Instagram and they're like, it looks great. Can't wait to see it with the fenders on. And I'm yeah, like, for sure. Uh, okay. <laughs> for so, sure. So wish it was a, a step better, but I guess that's a, what just me. Uh, oh, always, that's just that's awesome. a perfectionist. That's, that's a perfectionist yeah. ideal. You know, it was very challenging to make it match the other side because you always forget, you know, that little tweak you did there or that little bend you made there, unless you do them both at the exact same time. It's really a challenge. And not only that, we're dealing with, you know, an inner tail pan that's aftermarket. We have a car that's been backed into things over 86 years of its life. Uh, The little standoffs are original, and they're tweaked a little bit, and they're cast. And I thought I was going to heat them up with my torch and found out I was out of oxygen. So. Oh, that, wah, didn't, wah, that, wah. that didn't happen. So we got a pipe wrench out. And, can uh, I can I ask you something? <laughs> I thought I saw online. I thought I saw something like a almost like a tail light that was. It appeared to be like on a stanchion about yes. like eight to ten inches long. Yep. What what is up with that? It looks like like um something out of like Monsters Inc. Like one of the little critters' yes. eyeballs like hanging off of. That's just the Art Deco of that car. Uh, and come you know just for those that don't know, you can go to sleep now. Uh, thirty five is the start of that, and they are different <laughs> than thirty six. I'm so happy you're telling us about the differences and of 
and Henry so, Ford Company. And sedans are different than coupes and different than Woody's. And yeah. It's not done yet. Oh, my God. It's still going. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, that is the, the stock taillight on my car. I was trying to show out. That's literally a picture offline of what I was trying to make uh, since I threw the original away like six months ago. So <laughs> I had to go online and do a, a Facebook images search to go like, what the heck is this actually even supposed to look like? So are you going to have the little antenna things hanging off the back of the car? Yes. But you threw it away. I threw away the tail pan and that's what I was trying to show. That's a complete car. So that you're supposed to be looking at where the bumper attached. I wasn't. I was everybody... looking at the oogly eye of the taillight that was hanging <laughs> off the side Ironically, of the car. Ironically, everyone has brought up those taillights. You're like, is that really the way that is? And I'm like, yep, it is. I- I'd love to put different taillights on it, like specifically Lincoln Zephyr uh, taillights. Mm-hmm. But they're, they're very popular. They're $400 a set. Yeah, it's because everybody wants they, to do it. And they need restored. So I, I'm just going to put the stock ones on. Huh. <laughs> huh. That's super fun. If you don't know, you want to follow him over at uh, 1936 Ford Crazy, yep. right, on Insta. Um, but And see some of those pictures that he's he's and, uploading there. And then the other exciting part is uh, I'm trying to get prepared to take uh, my Rubicon Gladiator called Celeste off-road and just... It was beaten into us as young wheelers that you must have a matching full-size spare <laughs> right. to go off-road. So uh, I found on Marketplace a brand-new, slightly-used uh, tire that was this person's spare. Brand-new, slightly-used. Yeah, That's fine. That's fine. Uh, it still has the little nubbies on it, but, you know. So I, I got, it's a literally exact size that's on the truck. So I went on Sunday and grabbed that. And I had dreams and inspirations. I found a wheel the opposite direction that matches what's on the truck. But then I uh, Googled that last night, and it's six and a half hours one way. <laughs> yep. So Pennsylvania is really <clears throat> wide. Yep. I thought you said it was down like in, in Mercer or something. Zillianopel. No, I thought it was that. In Zillianopel. Yeah, it was it's just a, off a town of that sounds like that, but it's different. There's so many little Oh, towns. I can't wait. Please pronounce it for us. Uh, oh, yeah. I want right, to hear you, this. You, you figure out what the pronunciation yeah, of that, that town is. Listeners, it's up to you. Can we get Scott his wheel? That'll be the question. Well, not only that, can we can we guess which city in Pennsylvania he's actually oh, trying God. to say once he pronounces 84. it? 84. That's it. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's all the, if you're listening to us and you're not from uh, the Great Lakes Midwest region, understand there really is a town in Pennsylvania called 84. That's just it. That's the number and the town, yep. 84. Uh, I always wondered about their like high school sports. Like, you know, like here in like... In Conneaut, Ohio, it's like C-O-N-N-E-A-U-T, right? That we have this cadence, yeah. right? Every school has this little cadence. Like, how do you, what is the cadence? What is the, um, what the about cheer the, for What about 84? the player who's got number 84 on the field as they're talking about the town of 84? <laughs> 84 really dropped the ball this time. Really screwed that up. So, so it's Zionsville. It's not as hard as I thought it was. <laughs> <laughs> I just had a really short-term memory on that. There's too many Ford facts in there. And oh, that's funny. Oh, Zionsville. All right. And Justin Beto jumps in, says hello, and he's been busy. And, and uh, uh, always, fun fact, if you follow me online, I guarantee you I follow you back. So uh, Justin, owner of uh, JMB, has, has been very busy uh, up there in, in Cleveland doing uh, good quality Jeep work. So good morning to you as well. Um <clears throat> Jeffrey, uh, you had uh, you had uh, uh, what's a face? You had 
a nonprofit, nonprofit big a, nonprofit weekend. Yeah, a nonprofit meeting. Uh, we met at Voodoo Brewing Company in Erie, uh, which is where the the event will be in April, and uh, it was just. A basic board meeting for the the first portion of it, and then went into more of the event meeting and got a lot more details hammered out for the event. Because that's coming uh, down the pipe pretty quick. Pretty it is fast, right. It Which is. is what date? It is April nineteenth. That's what I thought. Right. So we're we're only a few months away. Yep. So uh, registration for the artists that are going to participate starts February tenth. So we wanted to finalize some details in that regard. Um, our event shirt has final design and deposit paid on getting a batch of those run. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're, we're really excited about that. Volunteer shirts are going to be bright yellow, so they'll have, it'll stand out. We can find volunteers or anyone at the event will be able to find the volunteers easily. Very cool. Um, so we're, we're excited. Everything's moving in the right direction. Uh, even the, the, the awards, the trophies that were, are going to be presented at the end of it were selected, um, and those will be getting ordered this week. Nice. Awesome. Nice. That's a very busy. And, and you know, for the handful of, of the three listeners, if there is a fourth who accidentally jumps on today um, by, by pure coincidence, this is the first time they've ever heard us. What's the name of the, the nonprofit? Heberly's Heartstrings. Yeah, as a memoriam and honor of uh, past family. Correct, member. and the idea is that it is a public library for lending musical instruments yes. um, versus books instead of a book library. Very cool. Awesome. Um, and then the event specifically is Jason Heberly's Memorial Open Mic Competition, and that's all about just music in general. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Excellent, excellent uh, nonprofit in this area. Um, one that you know, as a lending library for musical instruments. Uh, you know, is definitely something that, uh, you know, as an area, as a large market radius can benefit from. Absolutely. Very cool. Lots more people jumping in. We say, you know, good morning to you all. And, and, uh, you know, thanks for jumping in the comments as well. Uh, Myself this weekend, um, the video on Patreon will explain some of that. But ultimately, our Patreons are getting to get a more in-depth view of the insanity that is me trying to uh, hand build a house with my wife and vinyl siding in the winter, you know. Um, I also did some insulation. Yep, did some insulation. Um, and that's just basically. Well, so was that based on Scott's advice of if I were you, I'd be doing <laughs> insulation before I was worried about the siding so I had a warm place to work? You just know saying. what? You know what? Um, <clears throat> as, as far as insulation is concerned, um, I had originally wanted to spray foam. Uh, obviously, if you've been following along this program at all, I'm really fond of spray foam. Um, you mean your baseball bats of excess foam? Oh, my God. So much spray foam. I was, you know what? The cider Not is, the guy who's siding the house is really frustrated with the guy who spray foamed the inside of the house. Because I, I went through and I spray foamed like all the little cracks or any little extra joints and everything. And now as I'm siding the house, you didn't really, couldn't tell it behind the house wrap itself. But now that how I'm going over, out it is. how pushed out, like these little baseballs that have expanded through the little crack areas. And I'm trying to like beat them down while I'm trying to nail siding in, you know, 60 mile per hour wind gusts at 20 degrees. I know a guy that dealt with that four years ago and was why he was warning you about spray foam. Uh, (laughs) You know that guy, huh? I do. (laughs) That guy, (laughs) son of a gun. So, um, so, you know what? They still have some there, may have scraped some off, you know. (laughs) Right? Well, the thing is, I bought that really thick uh, house wrap on on clearance, which was an incredible, you know, yeah, it was a blessing to have this great house wrap, but it hit it. And so now I can't like easily get 
So I'm like hammering it flat with a hammer at this point, you know? Um, yeah, it's a real adventure, needless to say. The insulation was one of those things where while we're making some more elaborate cuts to get around things or even repetitive cuts, um, instead of just kind of waiting outside um, in that process, I can be up, you know, hanging some insulation and getting stuff in place. So uh, <clears throat> just, you know, stayed very busy with that. Um, and, uh, obviously managing some of our social media reach and, and, uh, you know, we actually had a very busy day here, uh, in the in-house on the shop on Saturday. So lots and lots of things uh, going on and in the works for all of us at this time. So, yeah. um, and folks, if you're still with us, if you haven't fallen asleep yet, there will be a little game at the end of this program that you'll want to stay you know, you'll want to stay on air with I'm us. actually slightly nervous about this because it's, for once, not a game that I had any involvement in. You had no involvement in and, it. And I have to participate, so now I'm and like... And you have this, to participate. I now understand how you, you guys having, feel when I do this to are you. Are you having guilty conscience? We'll be back after a quick break. You love listening to podcasts, but have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Maybe you want to build a brand, grow your business, or are looking for an excuse to talk about your favorite hobby. Whatever your reason for making a podcast, Buzzsprout is the place to start. Since 2009, Buzzsprout has helped over 300,000 people launch their own podcasts. Buzzsprout walks you step-by-step -step through the whole process and will give you powerful tools to start, grow, and monetize your podcast. Ready to get started? Click the link in the show notes to get our free step-by-step -step guide to starting your podcast today. No, it's making me plot more. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Because depending nice. on how this goes, it, oh, it, it may be a very uh, revengeful game coming forward. Oh, uh, I think this is a, <laughs> uh, the game that I have planned for you guys is super simple. It's a lot of fun. It's it's really not that exciting. We'll see. Um, and uh, <laughs> it should should be a good time for all involved. We'll see. So, anyways. Yeah, so Jeff is like, please let us move on. USA, Jeff has spoken. Yeah, Jeff. The Jeff. The Jeff. Okay, whoa. My bad. So, so USA versus the world. The idea when we um, first came to market as SFJ 4x4, it was uh, largely as a means to represent more USA-made brands. Yep. Throughout the earliest years of the business, it was very valuable to me to try and find good quality USA manufacturers. Now, many of the brands do start out as a, what I'll call a USA vision. That means that somebody here stateside um, sits down at a, you know, a drafting table of sorts and draws out what a bumper could look like or um, some other component that you might or, add to your vehicle. This is something I really need for my Jeep. I can't find, so I'm going to produce it. And then they get to the manufacturing part. And manufacturing, they find out, is very expensive. Very expensive. And then suddenly they can't make it for the price they thought they were going to without going and outsourcing that. So in our geographic vicinity, which is this Great Lakes Midwestern region, um, I would argue we are in a hotbed of the aftermarket, um, you know, kind of uh, history context. Yeah. And we went from, you know, from Detroit, 
uh, down through Pittsburgh up to Buffalo, and there have been uh, fantastic manufacturers uh, housed within this area. Mickey Thompson, uh, Cooper Tire. Yep. Um, obviously, four-wheel drive hardware was was born and founded in this area with uh, the Kennedy family, mm-hmm. uh, Tom Troll of Kentroll. Yep. Um, <clears throat> and I mean, so you have... We had all kinds of speed shops and four-by-four shops and all kinds of stuff that just kind of all popped up around this and hotbed, of, hotbed of, of, stuff. Of, of manufacturing and aftermarket support. Summit Racing, Jegs, yep. Yep. huge notable businesses, which you're in, you yes. know, which you were you were touching on there, are in our our, our listening ge- you know geography uh, or our, our service geography here um, where we're at. And <clears throat> I honestly and so, think we kind of get spoiled. I was actually thinking about the other day. It's like I just grew up like. You, you tried not to drive the Akron if you sure. needed a part, but you could. But you can. And how many people can't Correct. do that? And we just kind of get used to doing that. Yeah, that it's <laughs> right here on top of you know on top of us. And yes. and so what what happened in our come up uh, within you know SFJ four by four was that uh, the West Coast was importing long before the breadbasket of America, right? Yeah. And that's what I'm going to call our area here um, is kind of this breadbasket of the aftermarket. And we saw large, large-scale manufacturing um, and importation, overseas manufacturing and importation, uh, saturate our West Coast, our coastal area, and then be trucked inland to our space. Yeah. And those brands... And I'm going to put it out there just right here and now because this is just going to be no magic, no you know, no ifs, ands, or buts. Uh, <clears throat> Procomp, Smittybilt, Rubicon Express. By the time that that SFJ four x four is on our you know on our come up, those three brands are heavily manufactured overseas and saturating our markets. Yep. Um, put forth by four wheel parts manufacturing, right? They had a great model. They said, hey, we're going to saturate the markets with our house brands. And then on top of that, you kind of grew up in our rural area. You needed a Jeep for your farm, for your plow, that kind of stuff. And parts are falling off of it. You can't go to the dealer and buy them anymore. The parts house doesn't have them anymore. So what are you going to do? You're going to buy some, any part that you can. And then we instantly find out that it doesn't fit, doesn't function. Reliability is less. That kind of stuff. So it kind of puts a bad taste in both of our mouths, uh, you know, as this is starting, you know, it's infant steps going, we don't like it when we paid all this money for a part and it doesn't fit. It doesn't fit or it doesn't last. And ultimately, I think you you go back to Crown Automotive yep. and Rugged Ridge or Omics ADA. Yes. And both of those had uh, both of those businesses. Um, which are great businesses, Omics yeah. ADA and, and Crown. We have nothing. I have to have ne- a, this weird there. talk with all my vintage customers being like, we need to be happy that they exist, but we need to empower them to make it better. Correct. Each and every time, <laughs> right? Each and every time. And one of Scott's uh, gifts in life is improving upon the part. You've literally yeah. taken speedometers apart, taken switches yeah. apart, bent switches, drilled things out, changed the little pieces. Um, yeah. of which they have manufactured. Now, the argument is that we shouldn't have to do that. But at least have something to do it with. But that's right, because other brands, um, if you were a Hudson person... You're, you're in trouble. If you're a Studebaker <laughs> person, <laughs> well, you actually, know what I mean? Actually, uh, 
two seconds Snorfest. Studebaker people are really lucky because they were like these crazy people who built lots of extra parts and they didn't sell them and they had warehouse after warehouse after warehouse. And instead of them all getting scrapped, hoarders came in and took them all. So if you have a Studebaker, you can actually buy parts for it. And hmm. it's kind of crazy. Oh, thank you for that. <laughs> We're all so much better now. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's what I bring to the table. What you bring, God bless your wife. How was how was how was work today? Well, let me tell you about Studebaker aftermarket parts. <laughs> Fantastic. Let me tell you about this one specific bolt that I found <laughs> yes. that is only unique uh, to this year. Unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, Scott and I have done that over bolts, so yeah. I know I recognize that all too well. <laughs> so here's the thing: all of these parts are coming in off the boat. Now, understand the ProComp, Rubicon Express, and so many all started as stateside products originally, yep. right? And we're supporting at that time um, businesses, individuals who are employed here within the states who are designing, who are doing quality control, who are doing warehousing, who are doing shipping. So to say that those products uh, still have a degree of USA presence, uh, they absolutely do way more so than uh, even some of your Amazon, Alibaba, Timu, Wish yeah. type products. And this was before that stuff kind of hit the main stage as well. That's exactly right. It's before all of those products where they were just getting on a uh, you know a cargo ship or or a, a, you know yeah. a plane coming and, over. And honestly, people didn't even realize they were buying overseas. No, at not at all. You didn't know that Crown or uh, Omix ADA were overseas. Right. And quite frankly, because ProComp, uh, RE, and Smittybelt were all once stateside manufactured right. products. You just assumed it was still. You just assumed that it was still, which obviously a lot of manufacturers are riding on that. Terraflex uh, being one of them yes. because the name once meant uh, a USA Proud type of brand now you can just kind of keep going with it right yeah. my favorite uh, is when the brands say that they are a usa brand and then you're like well where's this part coming from is it is it manufactured overseas and assembled in the u.s or is it manufactured in the u.s and oftentimes it's manufactured overseas the yeah. as final assembly is done in the u.s final assembly and that's or, a very loose designed. classification right or the designed, designed in, in the u.s, US. yeah um <clears throat> and again go back to we're also just fortunate that we can get product, yeah. right? Um, Warren, for an example, has stateside manufacturing, but they also have overseas manufacturing. Right. And they had to do that because they were having to compete with uh, Smittybilt winches, with the Badlands Harbor Freight winches, right. um, with... Uh, a handful of winches that were being sold on Amazon. Well, and the thing is, those winches actually flat out worked, right? Badlands yeah. is a good winch. Smittybilt makes a good winch. Um, and so Warren was going, okay, well, we can either sell a winch in that five to $800 price point, yep. um, or we can keep selling $2,000 winches or yes. $4,000 winches. And um, and we're in this weird situation we do as, both? as Americans where we want to uh, make a lot of money at the job, but we don't want to spend any money on the part. <laughs> That's that, <laughs> now that actually is an Im important lead-in yeah. to uh, some of our customers' mantra of the uh, pay now or pay later, yes. but you always pay. Yes, uh, buy once, cry once. Yep. And there's a number of these ideas um, of where uh, my investment can go further. Yes. And so just to backtrack a little bit to say that when I originally endeavored into retailing parts, 
the objective was to find a bunch of uh, what I felt were reputable USA manufacturers. Yep. And so we started working with Rusty's Off-Road, Iron Rock Off-Road. Um, <clears throat> we had some localized one, TrailTube.com. Well, yeah, Spicer was a big global one, but yeah, yeah definitely. But that honestly, you know, was that was another battle cry. We hated putting U-joints in over and over and over. Oh my God, I put in so over, many, and so over. many U-joints. And, and then we just were like, why can't we buy these good stock OE style Spicer U-joints? And Neil's like, I don't know, let me make phone calls. And he did. <laughs> and now mm -hmm. we have those. And so. the thing is, like um, AutoZone, in the beginning on their come up, yep. they were selling a U-joint under the Brute Force yes. uh, namesake. That was actually a good quality, made in the USA, Niapco, made right in Pennsylvania, U-joint. Yep. Um, <clears throat> and Niapco is a global manufacturer. They just happen to not have the OE manufacturing agreement that Spicer does, yes. right? And so at that time, I was tickled to buy a Niapco or a Spicer. Now, granted, at this point in time, we almost exclusively use Spicer components, USA yep. Spicer components, but... Well, the challenge of one of those boxed items like that doesn't sell you where it's from is they can switch manufacturers on you and not tell you or change the packaging and that is exactly what autozone was doing was they went from a neapco agreement which lasted a handful of years and yep. they said hey you know what we can actually go with manufacturing overseas and we can just keep changing out the product that comes in the box yep um, based on whatever best contract deal they can get at based that on time whatever yep. whatever manufacturing deal they can get at the time exactly yep. right and that's the challenge so then when trying to choose some of these USA-made products and bring them to market under the SFJ 4x4 flagship, um, I we encountered some issues, right? Mm -hmm. And so there was the challenge of um, limited supply, right? Yep. When we were working with some of these small come-up manufacturers who just basically maybe it was a husband and a wife or um, just an individual working out of their garage – the challenge was fulfilling uh, orders yep. in a timely fashion that a customer expected with a final fitment and consistency that we need right. out of the product. Um, that's not to say that, you know, good localized vendors um, aren't yeah. reliable. It was just we started to realize going, hey, there's a balancing act to be had here because these import products were – there was a trade-off, right? Yeah. They were a slightly lesser grade quality, but they were they have a high availability. Oh, well, and it's just human nature says, uh, "Oh, I saved a bunch of money on this, and now if I need to file this or ream out the hole, or hey, I need to go to the hardware store and buy bolts suddenly because it shorted me five bolts." Sure. I suddenly, I'm okay with that because I had a deal. Yeah. And and I couldn't agree more with you. I mean, honestly, uh, Rough Country as a manufacturer is not a terrible manufacturer. Actually, yeah. a pretty good company when it comes to customer service, product yep. availability, um, communication, all of the things. But one of the things we learned in the very beginning was basically throw away their hardware. Yeah. And supplement with better grade hardware. Or something else we've run into just because we install lots of products is they might have had a good design. They might have had everything figured out. 
and that guy left is off at some other job and they continue to produce that product and maybe they switched manufacturers a couple different times and now you have a a breakdown in communication and suddenly that nut that was supposed to be welded on that bracket so that you could bolt this together isn't there even though it's shown in the instructions i feel like you've been recently touched by this i may have uh (laughs) and they don't give you the appropriate hardware because the hardware pack has not changed because literally they are not aware that this happened can i call out the brand i I want to call out the brand rough country (laughs) oh okay it's not a bad part it's it's actually a really good thought out design uh you know luckily i'm a mad scientist and we were able to pivot and and make it what it was supposed to be in the box uh but, but yeah, that that's happens. not the first time it's happened with with that company specifically. Well, and I and think that that is good quality product. Still, we're not bashing the product. It's just that the yeah. the inconsistency of what their directions tell you are well, are there versus what they actually send you. And then we had a situation another time with another product, a different manufacturer that literally the bolt pattern for had gotten turned ninety degrees, and they just drilled it that way. Because they literally had, the whoever was assembling that part had no idea what it was for, uh, wasn't able to correct that. And that was also a challenge. So I like to think of it, um, and for our, our listening audience, you might understand this, uh, the the idea that a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy. Yes. The resolution the day, gets worse as you move down. It does. The resolution gets worse the, the further you get away from the original uh, conceptualization. Well, it's also like the game Telephone. <clears throat> Yes. By, by the end, the message is distorted and not the same at all. Correct. Correct. And so one of the issues that you see with um, some of these quality USA manufacturers, um, and I'm just going to keep going with Rusty's Off-Road because it's actually a very good brand as a yeah. whole. Um, Rusty, uh, who is the the you know, Rusty, who created the brand, is still running the front of the house. Yep. He's still overseeing manufacturing. He's still responding to people on Facebook when they have a question or comment or concern even, about their even product. Even had rec- awesome recordings during COVID, even. Yeah, his, <laughs> his, I mean, he was the one getting on uh, the phone call system yes. and was like, man, uh, don't you hate these delays? Yes. We're all like, yeah, we do, yes, you know? very much so. Um, uh, may have had some inspiration for our voice message. May have had yes. some inspiration. Right. And uh, and and so he's able to go, hey, I remember when we designed this and I have this expectation of integrity so that when the bolt pattern, the first time that bolt pattern gets changed 90 degrees, it gets fixed. It gets fixed. Right. Um, Whereas and and to to speak to Crown's benefit, um, they are doing in mass purchasing from global sources, right? Understand it's global. So there's stuff that comes out of really quality South Korea uh, manufacturing. There's stuff that comes from USA. Morse, uh, Morse gear actually provides a lot of crowns products. So there's good quality metallurgy and, and uh, construction there, but they also get uh, some stuff that is out of, you know, global warehouses. And so recently, we know we had uh, a mix-up, uh, wrong product, right box, yep. and we called them, and they had to go in and cull their inventory. And start opening boxes. And start opening boxes and eliminating products. What was but interesting was- is that they, they had been aware of this as an issue, and they thought they had called their inventory once already and caught it all. 
And then they called it again and found more on the shelf. They found more after we we had found it. So, which is always you know good because they they believe you at that point. Yeah, and it's appropriate (laughs) for them to go, hey, we're responsible for this. Where there is um, some manufacturers that we've worked with, and I'll choose not to throw their name out in this regard. Yeah, that know that there's an issue and just shrug, and they're just going to address it on a case by case scenario. Yeah, um, when somebody complains. Yeah. And um, that's a manufacturer. Uh, the one that's in my mind right now is a longitudinal or an institutional manufacturer, uh, a household off-road name, if you will. Yeah. And they're basically like, yeah, we know a problem. It's a problem, but you know, if you never turn this light bar on, then it won't be an issue. Yeah. Hint, hint. So uh, <laughs> the the thing is, and and the and the thing is, we are we exist to be that middle ground to address these issues. But as a consumer, the objective is how do I sit down and I recognize that my best option is, is a or B and why is that the case? And so the challenge with overseas manufacturing is going to be inconsistencies in final product, whether that's in packaging or manufacturing, there's going to be an actual, um, inconsistency in the componentry itself. Yep. Our grading system um, that is on the state side, so if there are state-level certifications, is going to be uh, of a higher quality and grade. So whether that's wires, yes. uh, insulation componentry, yep. or actual metallurgy of components themselves. And paint and powder coat. Paint and powder coat. <laughs> Now, go ahead, Scott. You can keep going. I know you've got a list over there. So those things uh, that and and ultimately the higher quality, the higher grading of those components is going to be reflected in the price point itself. Yep. Um, the only little caveat I have to that is overseas powder coat. If you were to do a consultation with me on a 1v1, uh, I'm going to tell you that there is a number of overseas manufacturers, Rough Country being one of them, uh, Fishbone being the other one, that have really quality powder coat. And it's my opinion that they're spraying something overseas that we're just not allowed to spray here stateside. Which also happens. I don't know that that's truly the case, but that is my observation. Yeah. The... It's kind of like LEDs. They can only be produced overseas. Whoa. They're not allowed to be made in the U.S. Yeah. So anyone that claims they're a USA brand with LEDs is kind of just pull it, pulling a little wool over it. And, yeah, yeah, it's assembled there's, in the U.S. It's designed in the U.S. Yep. It's yeah. um, There's a number of well, U.S.-inspired Some of these companies like Rough Countries have to step up their game a little bit because they want to stand apart from the Amazonian parts that you buy. Uh, and sort of say, like, when you're tired of throwing that junk on, you can put our stuff on. And they had kind of had to pull themselves up out of the muck and mire a little bit and kind of, I'm better than that. And they really are, yeah. right? And they really are. Certainly um, your JL, JT, JK components yes. when it comes to bumpers, armors, accessory add-ons, um, they really are factually better. Now, I would argue that, some of their older models, they're they're less hot movers. Yeah. Um, they might be manufacturing it's, out it's of plants. Little, it's a little bit more of a copy of a copy situation. Agreed. 100%. It comes back to that. I'm not going to... And I, you can't blame them 100%. They're not going to put the R&D and the design money into a product that they sell. 
a hundred a year versus three thousand a year. Well, exactly. that, that and as the years advance, they're going to put more focus in the new products that are coming out yep. and have lower margins yep. on that initial launch. Yes. Whereas they're going to start looking at how they can cut the cost. the cost on the older products and start Which making is more margins. You start to see things move around the different manufacturers, and suddenly the nuts disappeared somehow. Uh, yeah, that could not be truer. And ultimately, yeah. you know, talk about AutoZone because they there are good things that AutoZone or any box store manufacturer does. Yeah. They initially launched that brute force line. They utilize Niapco yep. uh, quality U joints and bearing assemblies, and then as that that line exists longer in the market they start to look look at ways that they can yeah. uh increase margin and decrease manufacturing costs and that's one thing we try to ourselves is we do like certain brands but we don't try to fall in love with any one brand because you're only three to five to ten years away from that brand changing from what it was constantly so, cycling so you can't sadly uh think back to a good old day of i had a cj put uh, this brand lift on it and it was fantastic and now i have a jl and i'm gonna go buy that brand again well 30 years have passed yes and it is not the same manufacturer it once was it may still exist well that's why when that's there's exactly when there's correct. a company out there that's like oh i'm all about this brand i'm like what does that brand owe you like are you getting paid to just use that brand yeah. what what is your reason we mix and match all the brands right it doesn't matter we're, we, we're picking picking we're cherry picking the best products from each brand correct right and ultimately please understand that one of the one of the large parts of the uh usa uh business spirit is to uh in a global spirit i suppose is to purchase a brand that is already at a high level of function, right? Yeah. If I don't, that's if I can come in with a wad of money and just go in and purchase a brand that has a great household name, but then utilize it to um, to saturate a market, and it comes down to that, you know, how do I de- how do I decrease manufacturing costs and increase market saturation? Right. Um, all of our good quality brands started. As good quality, yep. and now what you believe that you hear advertised on um, on YouTube or, or at your you know local chain part store and whatnot, those brands were once good quality, and now they're just being used to sell on their name itself. Because we're creatures of habit, so yeah, you know, example is my dad had Craftsman wrenches, so I think I'm going to go buy a Craftsman wrench. They're not the same wrench they once were. Man, nope. I told Jeffrey I was walking through Lowe's the other day. And if I didn't know better, if I was an average uh, DIYer, yeah. first of all, Craftsman would probably be sufficient for me. Yeah. And two, I would still think it was a powerhouse of a brand. Yes. The, the right? way that Lowe's has aligned themselves with Craftsman and their branding throughout the entire store. Yes. yes. It looks like Craftsman is that household brand name that it used to be when it was Sears. 100%. We remember going with Grandpa to get Craftsman stuff, and it made a difference. And oh, yeah. When it used to say, made in USA. Made in USA, lifetime warranty. Beat on it and beat on it and bring in this crippled up wrench and ha- walk, in, walk into Sears service counter. Here you go. Yeah. Yep. We grew up with that, so we just expect that. Even though we may not need or 
expect that warranty now. Right. But now, even if the, even if they do have a warranty with them, which they do have something, I don't remember the details. Yeah, it's but not like it used to be, though. <laughs> you don't walk into Lowe's and here I need to exchange this. Correct. You have to go through Craftsman yes. and the mail and wait on it. They've and isolated the process. themselves, right? Yeah. And now it's how patient are you? Are you going to? And lots of people aren't. They'll just go buy another wrench. And so they're uh, counting on that they're, sort of. Yes. And and just on a on a level, uh, it's my understanding that um, Stanley uh, Stanley Products, which uh, you know is the tool manufacturer there for for a hot minute, which was once again a great household name, Walmart it, brand, um, is actually in line because it's Stanley, DeWalt, and Craftsman somewhere in the parent yeah. in the tree, right? Yeah. Um, and I bought a Stanley uh, three eighths extendable flex head ratchet years ago i paid good money for it i was a i was a up-and-coming diyer it was kind of above average mechanical and i buy this this ratchet which um you know carried a lifetime warranty yep and uh was like was above average price point for the market at that time um it if i if it sticks out to me it was a, like a 50 dollar ratchet when most ratchets were like 15 bucks right i mean yeah. 15 and 25 and so i buy this ratchet and <clears throat> I break it because, you know, because yeah. I do. And I go to return it to them and they wanted, I had to pay shipping and then I had to pay a handling fee. fee. Yeah. And at that point in time, I was like 25 bucks into this you got to really want it. And I, and I honestly, um, I honestly, it sat in a box because I boxed it up and I was like, you know what? Like, no, like that sucks. I actually have that ratchet in my toolbox today to remind me of that integrity piece to say like, do what you say you're going to do. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, because to me, I had put forth a bunch of money as a, as a teenager for this ratchet to, for it to be what I thought it was going to be. And then when it broke, I was kind of out on an Island yeah. and I'm, I'm left holding the bag going, well, you told me you were the greatest thing since sliced bread. And, and now I'm left by myself. So you mean you mean don't charge shipping and charge you a hundred dollars plus have to have the core back? Oh yeah, okay, yeah. Mishimoto. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and and that's the thing is that as brands get further down the line, they can um, they can leverage their namesake yeah. a little more, and when that that ownership becomes more and more removed from what I call boots on the ground USA manufacturing. Um, you know, you get far and further removed when you're responding to shareholders at this point, yeah. you might still be a largely housed in the USA brand. You, you might be right. Um, but the reality is now you're responding to shareholders. You're getting further removed from the, the core principles of the market. Um, it gets, it gets, much harder to stand behind your product and make those on the fly adjustments that just yeah. accidentally come up in the process. Dale's um, Dale's in the comments saying Proto Tools does the same thing now and they used to be a Pro Tool. It yeah. really yeah, Proto was absolutely oh, a big sounds name. Sounds like a prototype to me. Black and Decker <laughs> is another one that used to be <laughs> Oh yeah. My dad had some great Black and Decker grinders that he just beat and beat on and beat on and beat on. They wouldn't die. And now I don't know that I would buy my one. First I'll be honest. I still have a Black & Decker hand sander that is 20 years old and yeah. the thing just won't die. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing with, uh, you know, Craftsman, uh, you know, sanders and tooling that it was from the 70s and 80s. They're yeah. great products still. I'll be honest. When I was the same time I was buying that Stanley, I bought a 
Black & Decker circular, circular saw, corded. Yeah. Because my dad, I grew up, he had a Black & Decker, Decker right. circular saw. So I was one of the things that I made sure, you know, all other college students were out buying beer and, and yep. what other, you know, whatever wacky things they were doing. I went and was buying a good circular saw, you know. Yeah. Now, it works. It yep. works as a good corded yep. saw. I don't know that I would go out and buy a Black & Decker or anything right now. Wow. Another really good example is Delta. Yeah. I have a Delta planer, a Delta joiner, and those are still alive and kicking, cannot destroy them. It probably needs new knives all the way around, but they, they're running. Sure. And so when I started my house rebuild, I bought it a, a Delta table saw thinking I was getting that same level quality. Yes, the saw still works, but yeah. it is not not the quality yeah. that you would expect. So I think that's valuable is to to for unless you know we don't want to get off on a tangent of the tools specifically. Yeah. The same thing that we can all recognize in the tools because that industry is just simply bigger, fifty years yep. yeah. ahead of us, right? Of the of the off road market. Understand that the household names that were alive and kicking through the nineties and early two thousands are not the names that we once thought they yeah. were. They either yep. have maintained or they have not, and that's the biggest thing. And we take note of that ourselves, and we try to direct you accordingly because, A, we don't want to have to go and find hardware and machine and weld and that kind of well, stuff. Well, it's, it's... Because that costs time regardless if you're doing it in your driveway or if we're doing it. And it's us learning as as we go with with it too. Like the flash cows for JK were just awesome. they they were awesome. They work. They don't work as good for JLJT and now we've transitioned more to the taser because yeah. that's what the market's yeah, you dictating. You have to be willing to pivot as a as a good business to keep having because we have a quality control as well. We want the the give you guys uh what you expect, but that sometimes means we have to change parts and processes and things because it has changed on us. Absolutely. And and so some of those things that you can expect from a good quality USA manufacturing process is going to be a higher grade steel yep. um, traditionally. The metallurgy itself is going to um, be less recycled metals, more raw materials. Overseas, there's going to be a lot more recycled uh, components that are in the metal componentry itself. Which is nothing wrong with recycling, but that's how much process do they go through refining that recycled product, or are they just Agreed. pumping out another piece real quick and not refining it, not getting that impurities worked out of it. Yes. Uh, that's what we see is we, that's what causes a lot of, you know, you'll see people every spring, I, I drove my Jeep through the winter and now my bumper I got on Amazonian is rusted to pieces. Why is this? Correct. Well, it's in the steel. Correct. Um, you're also going to get a higher uh, grade <laughs> of a powder coat or paint process, yep. typically out of USA manufactured products, or they're going to, or you're you going to simply going to make you do it. Yeah. Right. That was one of the biggest things that when Poison Spider, JCR, and now Moto built. Um, and our tech we're doing was they're going, hey, we're just shipping you raw steel because um, to do a good quality powder or paint process, uh, you got to you got to rough the surface. You got to get some some etch primer on yeah. there. You got to really get some bite into it. Then you got to get a full coat. And they said, if we were to do that as a manufacturer, the price point will simply be in excess of what is available to the average household well, and that market is very volatile it's only one 
uh, change of an EPA law or this change or that change. Uh, for that to be a real big process change for you. So now you suddenly have to pivot yourself as a manufacturer and go, okay, well, now I can't have it powder coated at this place down the street because they changed their powder or they went out of business or they don't, they doubled their costs or something. I think that's like that. one of the biggest things with, um, with our manufacturers that we choose is oftentimes the parts get held up in powder, yes. right? In powder coating or, or coating themselves. And I can factually tell you of some of these high reputable manufacturers, uh, whether it be Rusty's or Rock Hard or Iron Rock Off-Road or Highline Off-Road, um, those... We, we hear it on a regular. Correct, that, hey, you got to bear with me. We can manufacture the parts. We can have a high-quality welding uh, machine yeah. and process and weld wire and gas um, to eliminate some of those impurities. Yes. But now, in order for it not to rust... Yeah, we need to send it out, and uh, like Highline Off Road has nothing short of like a seven step powder coat process. If you if you're talking to me, you know, socially, I'll often joke and say it's like seventeen or twenty seven yeah. steps. But there's literally uh, it has to do with acid baths and zinc phosphate coatings. Yeah. Um, you know, a primer uh application, and then actual a couple different coats of powder coat to ensure the longest longevity. Now, with that said, that's also why manufacturer, we go back to Mopar Performance, why it takes so long for them to produce a product and bring it to market. Because now they have to put their name on it. They got to put their name on it. And a, yeah. and a Rubicon bumper, I promise you, is going to be one of the best coatings on a bumper, period. But if you the, the price of entry for that same Rubicon bumper is going to be fifteen, eighteen, two thousand dollars. Yes. Um, whereas you can, you know, as the aftermarket support, what are you willing to pay for? Do you want to? Do you want to come out your pocket eighteen hundred dollars, or do you want to come out your pocket? I don't know, three hundred dollars because oh. you really want a thousand dollar winch to hang on there too. And also that brings up another thing of copycats, because this is something that in the JKs we didn't really suffer from specifically with Mopar accessories, but right now you can go on Amazonian and buy our knock off Mopar JL front bumper. Yeah. That it is a quarter or maybe a thousand dollars less. I'll I'll put it out that far. Than what the Mopar is. Sure. But what they don't tell you is what steel is it, what hardware is it, how does it fit, uh how long is it gonna last? Does it look the same? Yes ish. Yeah. Uh in the same way with lighting. Uh and that's Somehow they're just getting away Lighting with... Lighting as in uh, light bars and pod lights and, and yep. all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and, and somehow they're getting away with almost not caring about, like, uh, what's the word I want to use? Quality control or, or, or longevity or... Or having a design and, and you're not allowed to... Proprietary? Yes. They don't care about proprietary design. Yeah. Yeah, well, and they're ultimately... They're ready to knock it off. They don't care. Yep. And, and, and here's the, the, the piece, and I, I think it's valuable. We don't need to kick a dead horse. If you have questions or, or, or want follow-up, you can reach us on our text-only number. You can reach out to us on our Facebook page. Obviously, you can email Jeffrey. Um, my thing is, uh, there is a time and a place for imported manufacturing. Yep. Uh, we sell import manufacturing. The idea, or Im import manufactured products, uh, the idea is that we want you as a consumer to be well aware. So maybe yep. my priority is going to be 
$3,000 in Rockslide engineered steps installed on my vehicle. And since I prioritize that, you know what? I know I'm going to bash up my front bumper. And so I'm going to go ahead and, and just repurpose this Amazon one. That's fine. So long as you are fully conscious, but every day we log on to the off-road and four by four social pages and you see a new to market uh, JLJT, JK owner, uh, TJ, I don't care, go, I just bought so-and-so's bumper three months ago and it's rusted or it's falling apart here or it's this yeah. problem. Just because you saw it in a magazine or advertised on your Facebook feed doesn't mean it was a good product. We want you to have your eyes wide open and understand the realities of the market. Re understand well, the realities of USA versus the world. Not, not to mention a lot of those products, customers get them, they put it on their vehicle, they post it in the groups and how excited they are about how it looks. And then the newcomer comes along and goes, oh, they love that product. They've, they, they're yes. not seeing what happened to that product three months later. Yes. Six months later, a year, whatever. They're seeing know. that initial buzz and excitement. And, and that's a marketed um, and intentional thing that the you know these manufacturers and now these conglomerates because that has become increasingly um, part of our off-road industry uh, financial conglomerates have seen a manner in which they can make money off of us yep. by purchasing some of these brands and then saturating the market with them and, right and final thing of for me is like a, a call to action you guys are the, the makers of this destiny if you go and you buy cheap products and you don't expect better uh you're going to continue to get cheap products right shove down your gullet. race to the bottom race to the bottom if you buy the best product you can afford and you expect to hold them to accountability and maybe that isn't getting it repaired or replaced but maybe you were a squeaky wheel and you were annoying a little bit and they're like hey we're tired of 500 calls today of people complaining about blah and now we're going to actually do something about it. That makes a difference in the market for the next guy. So that that goes to the buy once, cry once mentality. Yes. Am I going to, <clears throat> you know, put the money out now and buy the best possible product I can afford? Yep. Uh, to to expand upon yours, uh, we actually had a tire carrier bumper, a big name manufacturer who was actually a hardcore USA manufactured product. It was recently purchased by a big conglomerate. Um, we, had a, we had a customer come in, buy a very expensive bumper and tire carrier. Yes. Um, and that bumper tire carrier in a very fast period of time started to rust and have like this weird uh, weep of rust water coming out. And what was happening is water is permeating inside uh, some basically a lack of of welds, but the design itself of the bumper carrier or the tire carrier yeah. was not great. Right. Yep. And we kept hammering this manufacturer and they were saying, actually, that was a really low batch run of that. Oh, we're going to go to the engineer, the guy who made this, you know, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. Yeah. We kept being the squeaky wheel that yes. you were just it, talking it took about months. So uh, here's the reality. Year and a half year later. And a half, yeah. I'll be honest with you. I'm just owning Owning the world, this manufacturer has never made right on that situation. That's just the reality but of At least of we it. didn't just lay down and Not take only it. did we not lay down and take it, they don't offer that product to the market anymore. Yeah. And yep. that is, I'm not to say that I'm proud of that 
fact. But the fact that there's not somebody else out there getting taken advantage of, putting yes. out thousands of dollars for this product that is not a great design. What, what bothers me is the fact that they still haven't made it right by this customer. And that is they, They've recognized that there was an issue and they've taken it off the market. And, and honestly, that's another you know thing that really irritates me is when somebody buys uh, a product for a lot of money thinking it's good and then turns out it's not. And yeah. they could have bought uh, a better product for less. Correct. Uh, and sometimes it's just the fact that they thought that was the brand they should have aligned with, and it's not. And, and that's uh, that part of, of the problem. Sometimes you it's you get what you pay for, but not always. Yeah. Sometimes you you are overpaying for a product yeah, that isn't it actually a what it is. It's a bit more when a customer's paid plenty. When when it's an overpaid. I think situation. the last piece of that is simply to say that is why good quality. Uh, uh, Business owners and individuals, brands, peop businesses like SFJ 4x4 uh, can exist in this kind of uh, middle ground. The difference is specifically in that customer's build, they came in and they said, I want to do my Jeep in all of this brand. Yeah. Right. Um, I always kind of took that away from us a little bit. It takes bit. away from us being able to make the recommendation for, uh, you know, for what we have seen as proven brands in the market. Yep. Um, when, you know, to, to expand upon what Jeffrey's saying, like, what do you, what do you have invested in that brand? Are they paying you to put your whole vehicle in this bumper package and Just this armor and these shocks? Just doesn't mean it's good. I, right. I know a personally a person that says, well, I'll buy the most expensive part I can. That means it'll be good. That it is doesn't. not the case. It doesn't. And I think that stretch. with that as, as, and I know it's not exactly... It isn't exactly, but similarly related. Uh, Moog parts, right? Yeah. And so when we talk about USA versus the world, this is more of a OE-inspired uh, product line. Moog is our preferred vendor when it comes to uh, ball joints uh, at, a, at our average level and our steering components. But I will not use their U-joints, Yep. Or hub assembly, hub bearing assemblies yep. on a vehicles on on a vehicle. So just because one part of their line is, in my opinion, one of the best on the market, yep. does not mean the entirety of their product offering is ideal. And and as a perfect example, using Moog, they're also not the most expensive one. They're not. Yes. They're not. They're not. And the most expensive one is arguably less quality. And yes. you know. And what's frustrating. Uh, on that note is that then you have off-road manufacturers jumping in going, oh, well, we're making a better ball joint. No, you make suspension components or you make bumpers. Yeah. Don't don't jump in and try and make a ball joint. You know what I mean? Because that's literally what Moog's doing with the other parts that we won't use is they're, they're not actually manufacturing those. They're white boxing them, is which they mean they go and they buy a product and they put their name on it. They don't have the same quality control. They don't have the same design. But you think because their names on it that they do, but they they actually don't. So uh, I mean, I hope that this has been a you know appropriately informative. Uh, it's a little bit of a delicate situation because we don't exactly want to isolate you as a consumer. If you go, oh man, I've got that product on my Jeep. Are they trashing me? No. We're trying to inform the masses, right? There is yeah. a time and place to order an Amazonian bumper um, or to you know, refresh one that's already rusted and you can sandblast it and paint it and because it's affordable. Cool. We get that. Right. But it's about being educated and aware of the processes 
uh, that you are using so that you can speak from an informed position. Yep. And Darla's in the comments saying, I'd rather have good parts and not buy the name. 100%. Yep. And that is... That's uh, the summary of it. That is the good summary of it. All right. Before we depart, we've got just a fun little, uh, a little piece to do for our listeners. Um, ultimately, this is a game that is largely going to be for our all three of you listening globally at this point because it requires uh, you not necessarily to see us because ultimately it requires our participants here in studio not to see. So huh. you're going to close your eyes. We're going to start with Scott. Oh, um, and I have um, here uh, in front of me a little – I have a box. It's about – uh, I don't know, five foot or five foot. Five foot. Holy Whoa. cow. It is, wow. a, it is a little box on my lap, gentlemen. Um, about five wow. inches by, by 10 inches by five inches, right? So uh, we've got this. quality control. That did we ever, tape measure went down. I was going to say, did we ever release the tape measure no, video that we God. did? No, we need to release that. Uh, that'll that'll <laughs> just really put things in perspective for our um, listeners. So what we're going to do is the, our our. our the the mad scientists and the, and the Italian styling they're going to close their eyes oh they're going to reach into the box trust uh, exercise they're yep, yeah right team building trust exercise you're going to do your best to uh, to describe uh, what's in your hand and I lost then, already <laughs> and then you're going to tell us uh, what application on the vehicle this is if it has any right yep I lost um, already. There are this some, isn't even fair. There are some Pit easy ones. Scott. There are some easy ones, and then there are some really hard ones. I, I kid you. I kid you not. I promise you not. There, so, I don't think there's a single thing you could put in that box that Scott <laughs> is not going to know. We've well, played this game before, and Scott one, and you both dominated, and I, I tried to pick challenging parts. I know. I know. And I wanted to bring this back because it's, it's good for our listening audience, but it's also entertaining for the our, our viewers. But you are the Jeff. You've got a whole Which extra Which is why year I'm going to lose this game. <laughs> yeah, you've got a, so close your eyes. Yeah. Mad scientist, reach into the box. I promise there's no mouse traps in there. That'll be for Jeffrey. Okay, so I have a piece of plastic. Go ahead, pull it out. Pull out. Pull out what you got. Got a piece of plastic. Oh, that one was that one's one of the uh, harder ones. It's not meh. <laughs> like I said, this is this isn't even a good game. Uh, someone would exp- you know ex- uh, describe this as like almost like a hat with a little uh, pointy top with a hole in this top. How big is it when you say it's a hat? Uh, I mean, is it a hat well, that I could wear small. on my head? Uh, it's well, it depends on if I'm using your Stanley tape measure. <laughs> this could be like 12 feet wide, you know? Anyway. It's uh, like two or three inches in diameter. Two, or, two, two, two inches, inches in diameter. diameter. Right? Uh, so, so should I just tell you what it well, is Well, and, and on, a, on a, just a, a scale size, to me, it kind of reminds me of like a Lego hat. You yes. know what I mean? Two inches in diameter and, and yeah. two inches tall. Yes. What, go ahead. What is it? Th- this goes on uh, Steer Smarts or a ball joint protector for the boot. Yep. That is, uh, it, it protects the stem and threads uh, of a steer smart component. Quality stuff. They, they literally quality have USA manufactured. And this is a pretty robust piece of plastic. This this would beat the crap out of your cap on your spray can. And that's a throwaway piece, yes. folks. And that was uh, this what is I think just is to protect that boot from not getting damaged in, in transit. In transit, transportation, and warehousing. Just make me think of it. They're boxing stuff. Oh my goodness. They have that stuff is not moving around nope. in yep. that packaging. Everything they is are laser cut cardboard. It's all and really well. Steer packaged. Smarts JKS does a similar um, with the foam. Yeah. 
quality manufacturing uh rusty's spray foams and wraps everything yep um you know i, you're I gonna actually know, really hate unboxing rusty's products because of the spray foam we're gonna that show use. that off in these new unboxing yeah. videos we're gonna give you uh the entirety from start to finish and and show show off what these manufacturers the care that they take in boxing them uh in the process all right jeffrey close your eyes <laughs> reach in there grab your part bring it out okay all right this is right up jeffrey's alley this is for LED lights. Oh, what is this? What, this what is, is this? Yeah, what this is private, so man? So I've got a wire plug, male end and female end, with a resistor or capacitor of some kind in the It's middle. a driver. driver. I would call it a driver. Driver. Mm -hmm. And this is for LEDs. It is. You're absolutely right. Jeffrey, look I, at Jeffrey. I feel ding, pretty ding, good ding, about ding. that one. <laughs> so, because um, he's the Jeff. The Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> so this is not a this is not a conversion um, nope. uh, adapter or pigtail. This is just simply a driver to uh, give resistance. The LED lights. Um, again, when we were talking about overseas versus uh, uh, well, much of our LED and electrical components that you're going to buy period are largely going to come from overseas at this point um, based on price point and and kind of the prioritization of usa manufacturing so brian richie's in the comments saying rpm steering boxes their parts well too nice so. nice um and rpm actually is uh they're actually selling a lot of Apex product um, as well. So RPM is the main tube manufacturer. Um, their RPM is out there uh, using, they're cherry picking as well. And it's important to note that they're on their come up of supplying uh, good quality parts to their, to their customers. Um, I was back to the electrical that one of the things with these, these drivers that can be purchased online, um, on Amazon or Walmart or any of your, you know, standard retail outlets can also come with your higher quality uh, LED manufacturers that there are different grades of these as well. Yes. We have seen different drivers. Uh, we've seen different grades of wires and plugs. Or, and more expensive lights may have that built in. It may actually have it built in. You don't they need don't it. need it. Um, this was uh, at a time when the JK market where one size fits most. Yeah. And they were like, hey, we can build this light over here. And if you're going to put it into your TJ, you then don't need it. you don't need this. If you're going to put it into your JK, then here's your adapter. You know, those yeah. types of things. Yep. All right. Jump back into the box. What, what are you doing? It's really hard to gauge where the box is. It is. Oh, that one's easy for Scott. Yeah. Of course it is. So I have a, a another hat, but this one's metal. Uh, it's, again, about two-ish inches in diameter with a stem in the center, and it is a body mount mushroom, we call them. I was going to say, yep. it looks like a mushroom. It, this is to keep your uh, body mount from collapsing. So basically that tube in the center of it hits the the bottom tube of the which is, has the bolt going through it and then you cannot over tighten you it. can't over tighten those body bushings and uh depreciate them any faster all oh, right jeffrey man i would dig around in there jeffrey see if you can't get a good one let me see what you got oh yeah that's decent that's decent so this <laughs> feels like a spacer Okay. Uh, really bad at describing things. Yeah, it is, is a black round cylindrical object <laughs> with. <laughs> is it a foot in diameter? You're using your wow, Jeffrey. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah, now that, on that note, folks, the program is about to turn next. And uh, Jeffrey, what are you is carrying that flag? <laughs> Jeffrey is carrying that flag into uh, battle. 
Here, here is your black cylinder back. <laughs> yeah, I'll take that back. <laughs> well, how'd that get in there, folks? All right, I have one. Side note, we don't like to open Amazon packages that come to the shop anymore. Don't talk no. to me. <laughs> don't talk to me. Here we go. Mad scientist, I have one that I think I'm going to stump you with. Oh, and I, it would be unfair of me to give this to Jeffrey. Okay. I'm going to give it to you. Okay. This is what actually, I came across this the other day, and um, and I thought this is what kind of bore this game back into my brain. I thought, man, it's been a long time since we we did this. Yeah. Okay. Um, did this game, this activity for our, our viewers and listeners at home. Um, this is the one. I, I have faith in you in so many things, but I think that this is such an obscure piece. Oh, boy. That um, that will be the, the, the challenge J- for you. Just excited over there. Uh, no, I, I think that Neil is purposely trying to manipulate it to make you overthink it. All right, you ready? Hands out, yeah. eyes closed. Hmm. Mm, he's pondering, folks. He's dipping deep into... Oh, that's easy. Oh! oh! Uh, it, it's a spacer for the battery on a jail. Oh, fantastic. Fan-stinky-tastic. <laughs> he's just done a bunch of battery stuff with JL, so that's so, for those pretty that don't easy know, for him. Uh, this is a foot that goes into your battery box, and it allows you to run... Uh, when he says it's, it says it's a foot, it's a brace that yeah. is an insert piece. It's only about two it, inches by. You really one wouldn't inch. even realize it was a removable piece if you didn't know it. Uh, but a diesel has a bigger battery, and so this is not in that diesel battery tray. The benefit is we can remove this piece and then run that bigger battery in and, our and because we've done a lot of the upgrade batteries. He's really familiar with that. So piece. when we've talked about uh, USA versus the world and upgrades and, and good quality choices, and, and ultimately battery technology is is a tech that is largely from outside the borders of the U.S. There are USA manufactured batteries, but the challenge is they, are, they come at a price point that is typically in excess of yeah. the average consumer. Um, <clears throat> there is a, a great quality line uh, called DECA out of Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, uh, man alive. I can't think of something, but obviously I don't, you know, I don't want to speak over speak for Odyssey or Optima, but those are good quality lines. The likelihood is they're, they're utilizing imported parts. They never represent themselves as USA made understand yeah. that. But like, I've been personally touched at a business level by AC Delco thinking yes. that AC Delco was, uh, the brand that I wanted them to be. And we invested heavily with yeah. AC Delco batteries only to be literally and figuratively stranded, yeah. um, by their poor manufacturing processes. Um, Likewise, I've had good and bad with interstate. I've had good interstate batteries, and I've had terrible interstate batteries. Yeah, and interstate once was a powerhouse of the yes. battery uh, of the ba- battery manufacturing lines. So uh, the OE batteries um, on JLs and JTs, specifically with the auxiliary battery system, which is just this little 200-amp reserve capacity battery that is located down underneath your primary battery tray. A lot of people think that that's your start-stop battery because your start-stop stops working when that battery dies. Yes. Your start-stop is actually functioning on your big battery, the yep. primary battery that when you open the hood, you can see. Most JLJTs are using, uh, uh, utilizing what's called an H6 battery. Yep. The H6 is by... Uh, by its size, a 650 or 700 uh, cold cranking amp battery, um, and it utilizes that little foot, that yes. little bracket in the battery tray. But the, the key 
quoted this is if you have your you know, stereo on, your AC on, your seat heater on because you're confused if you're hot or cold, <laughs> uh, a bunch of your nav on, you're charging your phone, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and you're using your start stop, you come up to a traffic light and the Jeep shuts off, you now have to have the capacity to maintain all that draw while your combustion engine is, is off is off and it's not charging anything that is why there is two batteries it's just to give it a more it's a reserved capacity reserved capacity, reserved capacity of both so what we have found is that you can go to a bigger top mount battery h7 series and yep. then you can do two different things you can delete the little battery because now you have the capacity in the big battery up top or if you're crazy like i'm tempted to do well i think it's a preferred method is to have the additional reserve capacity you can, you can literally replace the little battery and also have the big battery and have even more capacity which is what we're doing on nine out of ten of our customers yep. at this point moving them up to an h7 and giving them it, a new now, reserve wise it is you know you're now paying up for both a uh, uh, high bigger top battery which is more expensive and then Again, you're picking, hand picking a little battery that's also expensive. So it is not the cheap way to go. But it's the buy stretch. once, cry once mentality to say, hey, I've set myself up for the best case scenario. And yeah, Chip's and in the comments saying evil little battery. He has been touched by the JLJT yes. battery situation. It's part, of the, it's part of the rite of passage of JLJT yeah. ownership. And, and, and honestly, it's becoming more and more common, especially as they're starting to age out a and, little. And this is literally also something that we're continually learning on. Uh, something that we, the last couple of months, have really started to formulate a plan for us. Like, what does this look like? How can we foresee into the future what uh, is going to be coming down the pipe? Uh, what makes these fail? Why are they failing? That kind of stuff. Yep. Because yep. we want, we don't want you to be stranded. Uh, we don't want you to be where Chip was, where uh, Jeep was perfectly fine, and then suddenly it wasn't. And we've we've really gotten good at recognizing those early signs and saying, hey, this is what is happening and yeah. we can address it now or you can let it go and now you're going to be replacing two batteries later. Right? Yep. Or you could be me and ignore it and find yourself stranded on Ocracoke Island with no parts <laughs> store. And yes. a Jeep that uh, won't run by itself. And, and you can't get back on the ferry because it won't And you can't run. get back on the ferry because And, and it won't this run. is our other, you know, service to you. If you have the Avengers light on your JLJT and your start stop hasn't been working for a minute, uh, you need to do something now. That's right. You're going to be on Okokoke and be stranded. <laughs> Figuratively and literally. <laughs> With that, folks, I hope you enjoyed USA versus the world. We'll do it again next week. Until then, Jeep on. Jeep on. Jeep on. Jeep on.